Hello and welcome to another episode of Yoga for Latter-day Saints, a podcast where we discuss ways to improve worship using yoga practice. Last time we discussed some physical and mental barriers in this life and how to overcome them. Today we're going to discuss the next two sutras which talk about how we treat others and breathwork and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Sutra number 33 says, By cultivating attitudes of friendliness towards those who are happy, compassion for those who are suffering, goodwill toward those we perceive as virtuous, and indifference or disregard toward those we perceive as wicked or evildoers, the mind retains its undisturbed calmness. So this sutra emphasizes the importance of cultivating positive attitudes towards others, regardless of whether they're happy, suffering, virtuous, or wicked. To do this, we need to take our story out of the experience. It's not about us or what we think or feel, but our interaction is about sitting with them in their experience. By doing so, we can develop a calm and peaceful mind, which is essential for progressing in the practice of yoga. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in The Laborers in the Vineyard said, Brothers and sisters, there are going to be times in our lives when someone else gets an unexpected blessing or receives some special recognition. May I plead with us not to be hurt and certainly not to feel envious when good fortune comes to another person. We are not diminished when someone else is added upon. We are not in a race against each other to see who is the wealthiest or the most talented or the most beautiful or even the most blessed. The race we are really in is the race against sin, and surely envy is one of the most universal of those. Furthermore, envy is a mistake that just keeps on giving. Obviously, we suffer a little when some misfortune befalls us, but envy requires us to suffer all good fortune that befalls everyone we know. What a bright prospect this is, downing another quart of pickle juice every time anyone around you has a happy moment. To say nothing of the chagrin in the end, when we find that God really is both just and merciful, giving to all who stand with him all that he hath, as the scripture says. So lesson number one from the Lord's Vineyard, coveting, pouting, or tearing others down does not elevate your standing, nor does demeaning someone else improve your self-image. So be kind and be grateful that God is kind. It is a happy way to live. Likewise, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we covenant to mourn with those that mourn. There will be moments when we see clear ways to help someone. However, many times mourning with those that mourn does not mean having the right answer to a question or giving a person the perfect resource. Many times mourning with those that mourn involves listening, waiting, seeking to understand, and supporting the person through the journey. There is no qualifier to the commandment to love our neighbors, and Jesus even used the example of people from two nations that hated each other to highlight this principle in the parable of the Good Samaritan. One lesson that I learned is that when I meet a person, I can only see what they are like at the present moment. There's no way that I can understand all the experiences and traumas that brought them to this point. I am not to judge how I think they should act or speak. I just take them as they are and try to treat them as Christ would. President Howard W. Hunter taught, the world in which we live would benefit greatly if men and women everywhere would exercise the pure love of Christ, which is kind, meek, and lowly. It is without envy or pride. It seeks nothing in return. It has no place for bigotry, hatred, or violence. It encourages diverse people to live together in Christian love 
regardless of religious belief, race, nationality, financial standing, education, or culture. Patanjali's Yoga Sutra number 34 can be translated as, the breath becomes unsteady through uneven inhalation and exhalation. By observing and regulating the breath, we can attain steadiness of mind. This sutra introduces the practice of controlling the breath in order to regulate the flow of life force energy in the body. According to Patanjali, the state of mind is closely connected to the state of the breath. When the breath is unsteady, the mind becomes unsteady as well. However, by regulating the breath, we can bring the mind to a state of calmness and stability. A good example of this is how we breathe during stressful events. One of the ways in which our body responds to stress is to help increase the amount of air that is brought into the lungs by activating the accessory muscles of respiration, which include the muscles of the neck, shoulders, and chest. This type of breathing is often referred to as chest breathing because it primarily involves the expansion of the chest and the use of those accessory muscles rather than the diaphragm, which is the main muscle used in deep breathing. While the activation of the accessory muscles of respiration can be helpful in short bursts, these muscles are not meant for prolonged use and can quickly tire out. When these muscles fatigue, it can lead to tension and strain in the neck, shoulders, and chest, which can trigger the body's stress response and contribute to a sense of hypervigilance and agitation. Because of this, the sympathetic nervous system can be activated, leading to an increase in heart rate, respiratory rate, and blood pressure. When the body is in a state of chronic stress, such as during an ongoing stressful situation or with an anxiety disorder, it can become stuck in a cycle of shallow chest breathing and muscle tension. The cycle can produce a positive feedback loop where the shallow breathing and muscle tension contribute to feelings of anxiety, which in turn lead to more shallow breathing and muscle tension. This positive feedback loop can be difficult to break without intervention. However, practicing deep diaphragmatic breathing techniques can help to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and promote relaxation, which can help to break the cycle of shallow chest breathing and anxiety. So for today's practice, we're going to do some diaphragmatic breathing, which is also known as belly breathing. It's a technique that involves the contraction and relaxation of the diaphragm muscle to help you breathe more deeply and efficiently. So find a comfortable and quiet place where you can lie down with your back straight, your knees bent, and your feet flat on the ground. Place one hand on your chest and the other hand on your stomach just below your rib cage. Inhale slowly and deeply through your nose, filling your belly with air. You should feel your stomach rise and your hand on your stomach move outwards. Exhale slowly through your mouth, letting your stomach fall inward and your hand move inwards toward your spine. Repeat this process for several minutes, focusing on the sensation of your breath moving in and out of your body. As you become more comfortable with the technique, try to lengthen your inhales and exhales, taking slower, deeper breaths. And this is a technique that you can begin to use in different postures as well, sitting, standing, etc.
As we finish up today, I want to thank you for listening in and remind you of the words of President Thomas S. Monson. We cannot truly love God if we do not love our fellow travelers on this mortal journey. Likewise, we cannot fully love our fellow men if we do not love God, the Father of us all. We are all spirit children of our Heavenly Father and, as such, our brothers and sisters. As we keep this truth in mind, loving all of God's children will become easier. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga4lds at gmail.com. 